Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, Justin Baker, co-host in studio. It's about freaking time. We got some acoustic panels, so hopefully uh, the sound sounds a little bit better. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't at all, and you're like, cool way to waste your money on acoustic panels, but good thing they were free. Yeah, twelve bucks I spent on Amazon. <laughs> well, they weren't, they weren't free, but this this is the second time they've been used. Yes. So, so technically now they've cost you six dollars. I guess, yeah, yeah. If you look at it that Maybe, way, sure. You know, yeah, that's, okay. That's that's all right. That's <laughs> your the, voice uh, sounds sexier though. Oh wow! So these are working on. Oh, all sure. right, perfect. Uh, on today's show, we are going to be rolling through the biggest busts of the season thus far. Of course, they're still. Uh, you know, it feels like we're starting to get to the end of the season, but we still have about thirty games left to go of the season. But uh, yes, these busts through the first. Sixty uh, percent of the season or so is uh, what we'll be doing. Before we get to that, there has been a trade. Uh, Cam Talbot has finally been shipped off to the Philadelphia Flyers. A very interesting type of move. I uh, in, in exchange for Anthony Stolarz. Uh, just give me your first thoughts here. Uh, obviously, Carter Hart is the Flyers goaltender, but. Uh, you know what? What is the advantage for the Flyers on this deal? As maybe they make a push for the playoffs, I guess. Looking for a backup, they find a healthy backup is yes. what it is oh. more than anything else. As soon My as God. he starts, it will be a record eighth goaltender starting for the Flyers. Just insane, insane. Yeah, I mean, we thought Vegas had problems with goaltender staying healthy last right. year. Right, Philly is just struggling. So, uh, yeah, for for Philadelphia, I mean. Listen, they they obviously think Carter Hart's the future net, but like any smart team, you're going to want to have that veteran guy back there to mentor him, um, to be there to play some games if needed. And we know Cam Talbot can be a starter, right? I mean, he I mean the last couple of years he was a starter for the Edmonton Oilers, and he played what I think one season seventy some games. I can't remember what it was, but right. I uh, I, I mean I think ridiculous. that he ultimately now at this point in his career is probably just a a very good backup, I think, is what he could be. Sure. If he's, you know, has in the right system, the Oilers, obviously, uh, he just couldn't handle what they were throwing at him. It just wasn't working anymore. And uh, But I think he could be a decent backup, right? Like, Yeah, I agree. I think he's he'll be fine as a backup role. And I think, you know, Philly is, is, is a good spot for him. There won't be, I don't want to say as much pressure on him because, you know, now that Carter Hart's there, right, the pressure's going to be more on him to sure. to carry the workload. So, you know, when he went to Edmonton, obviously they, they got McDavid, and it's like, oh, yeah, we got McDavid and Dreisaitl. Let's make a push. You need to you need to win 35 games a season. No, you can't put that kind of pressure on a guy, you know, maybe that's just being a starter for the first time in his career. So, um, and, I mean, and I had an, And had a one great season. Right as the starter and right. it really it all fell apart after that for whatever reason i mean the the edmonton oilers though are a mess i mean hey we, we look and see what happened to the last goalie who left edmonton for peanuts uh oh he just became a vesna candidate <laughs> yeah thanks so, Devin Devin Dubnik. Dubnik, yeah. <laughs> so i mean it's not out of the realm of possibility that cam talbot does have a little bit of a turnaround and he's not as bad as he's been i don't think he's going to go and beat Devin dubnik but I mean, you, you do have to think. It's a nice trade for Philly. It's also frees up Edmonton to go and maybe acquire something. Well, and they had to free up the cap space so they can for get what yeah, yeah, to get him off IR, which is just crazy. That like they were talking extension for Talbot a few weeks ago. I kept hearing like, hey, let's get him signed long term, and then it's like, oh wait, 
we don't have any cap space. Uh, see, Who can and, we move? See, now I'm wondering if really the talk of extension was, hey, we really like this guy, and teams start to go, oh, I mean, they're even though he's struggling, they still are willing to resign him. He must be a, you know, they must still see something in him, and so teams are. It was maybe a ploy to get him dealt. Uh, I, I don't. Does he? Do you think he resigns in Philadelphia? Yeah, I think so yeah. because I think there's there's going to be a lot of free agent goaltenders this summer and good ones like Varlamov, Jimmy Howard. I mean, granted, I, I think Howard stays in Detroit ultimately, but um, you know, there's going to be a lot of options. You know, your Mike Smiths guys who have proven they can. Well, and that's the thing is there's going to be a lot of options. Is is Cam Talbot the option that you wanna you wanna go with? Well, as I don't Philadelphia? think I don't think Philly makes this deal unless they think that he is their option to be a backup long term now. As far as Edmonton side of things, this is a really nice tidbit that I, I read about this morning. That most people don't realize Stolarts has got to start um, a minimum 10 games out of their last 25 in order for him to remain an RFA and not go into UFA status. Oh. So Edmonton is basically forcing themselves into playing this guy at least 10 out of the final 25 games, which, which isn't going to be too tough for them. No, but I mean, if he craps the bed it's like oh wait we still have to play this guy if we want to keep him around yeah or i mean or it's just hey you saved you saved enough money to bring back sakura and at the end of the season you don't really mind letting stolars go which i don't i don't think anyone minds if he becomes a ufa to me it's not like he's going to make any more money on the open market than he would you know being being rfa and and having to be matched uh no, so, I don't I, even think like we talked about all the options. I don't even think he'd probably get, you know, a backup job. He'd probably I, I be a third know, stringer. I don't know if they even match him. Wow! Like just okay. let him walk to free agency. I think they're just looking for the money. Uh, well, that's uh, it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah, to see if if can the Flyers make any kind of run here. I mean, obviously they've been they've been very hot. They've moved within eight points of the playoffs, eight one and one in their last ten. It's it's certainly possible, but. I see the Flyers like last year's Florida Panthers where, hey, maybe they get a sniff. Maybe they get within four points, two points. But ultimately, you're just so far back. And teams ahead of them, uh, you gotta you got to think, they got to jump Carolina, who's been also rolling and are only one point out of the playoffs. And the team that they have to jump is the Penguins. And nobody's counting the Penguins out. You know the Penguins are going to be be right here when the season ends. I you know I don't see the Penguins sliding too far. They've won two in a row now, and then ahead of them Montreal six two and two in their last ten. And Montreal's playing very well despite you know despite losing the other night to Nashville. But and no one's going to blame them for losing to Nashville. And then they get to go play Tampa Bay. What a back to back, Tampa <laughs> then, or Nashville than Tampa. Uh, so okay, well let's uh, let's shift gears into our into what we came here to do. And that is to talk about some busts. I do just want to point out one thing. Uh, I was I, before the show started. I was asking Justin if he had ever seen the show Sliders. Uh, good old Jerry O'Connell. If you've ever seen the show, you uh, you remember him traveling between dimensions. Of course, you know, uh, great show ahead of its time. But Nolan Patrick looks freaking exactly like Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> yeah, I'm showing you the picture. <laughs> He is oh freaking Jerry O'Connell back in the a young mid-90s. Jerry O'Connell. Yes, of yeah. course, a young. 
I mean, they're they're probably about the same age there. So it's kind of scary. I, the, his picture on what I'm looking at, hockey reference, Nolan Patrick looks so similar to Jerry O'Connell. It's hilarious. So yeah, I'm gonna post this up you, on Twitter if you want to yeah, get a side yeah. by side. There you go. Uh, okay, well let's and and just to start it off, I'll just Nolan Patrick is one of my busts. I don't I actually didn't really rank these busts because there's there's quite a few of them. And I, I kind of ranked them in, you know, hey, here's this cluster of players who I had certain expectations, and here's a different cluster where maybe it was a bad signing and it's a bust. I, I don't have this like, here's my number eight, here's my number nine. Uh, let's just talk about busts and you know, why they're a bust and, and what maybe where we see them going in the future. I think I have a list of about 20 guys. I know that you you ranked players and teams and events, so... Uh, this this will be fun. So, Justin, throw out your first bust. My first bust, uh, William Nylander. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that's, I mean, hypothetically costing Toronto $10 million this season, uh, you're not getting much out of him. It's, it's looking like a bust from a seasonal standpoint, right? I mean, 12 points through 29 games already, and he... I can't remember how long it took him to score a goal, but what was it, like 12 games or something ridiculous like yeah, that? Yeah. So for me right now, he he's looking like a bust for this season because you got a hot Toronto team that scores goals like crazy. And, I mean, granted, he's starting to get going a little bit. but Nine, nine points in his last 10 games. Yeah, so so, so not bad, but as as a whole for the season, it's it looks like a bust because he's a guy that I would have expected to put up, especially with the talent up front to put up 60, 70 points, no problem. Well, 60, so. 70 points in an 82 game right, season. Right, exactly. And, and I, w- I, would, I will say the bust goes along with taking so long to sign that contract. Sure. Because in, in reality, what he got was only you know a very small amount higher. I mean, obviously, they're paying him the $10 million cap hit that he's making is just to make up for what he lost during the time that he missed. Uh, really a bust all around where, I mean, why the hell didn't you just figure this out in the off season? We, we could have all figured this out uh, at that point. And, you know, it, it just, it's bothersome. And to me, that is the reason why it's a bust because you could have done this earlier and you could have avoided this rust, we'll say. I, I'd say he's more of a rust than a bust. Right, like, rust. He was he was certainly rusty. You know, I think he had three points in his first uh, his first twenty game or uh, was this? He had th- one, two, three, four points in his first twenty games. So pretty bad. Uh, but he's of course has looked better uh, in the last end of January, early February. I mean, he honestly he looks so good now playing with Kadri and the two of them. Even though they haven't put up crazy points, he has had phenomenal possession he every time he gets the puck he looks like he's going to do something and he's really he's made that second power play unit look a little more dangerous and so i think you'll see that in the end it's not like the signing was a bust (laughs) but yes what the what happened behind it i will agree that it was certainly disconcerting and and things could have been better could have yes uh, well, you know, aside from Nolan Patrick, who the reason I brought him up in Jerry O'Connell is because he is a bust to me. Uh, this this whole Philadelphia Flyers team really has been disappointing because I think you look at you look up and down that lineup. Sean Couturier has maybe not produced the way that you were hoping him to, and and you know you look at some of these guys' points totals, and 
in comparison to you know previous seasons, some of them don't look so bad. You know, you look and you're like, well, I mean, you know, a particular player has 35 points in 50 games. That's not too bad. But when you consider how other players have been playing over those 50 games, uh, it's. I mean, Claude Giroux, he's been fine, 61 points this season. Uh, Sean Couturier, 50 points. Uh, it's just Voracek, his 49. You know, the, these, this top line, it's fine. You go ahead and leave him alone. Uh, but Wayne Simmons, 16 goals in 57 games. He only has 25 points. Uh, Shane Gostisbehere, 25 points in the 54 games. It just feels like some of these players should be having better years. And Nolan Patrick, to me, is kind of the the pinnacle of their struggle because here's a guy who's supposed to be able to now, in what his, this is his third season, this is the year where you're looking at a guy going, all right, it's time to get going. And he's got 20 points in 57 games. Or 54 games, sorry. Uh, 50 games, sorry. 50 games. He did miss a few. Uh, but... I mean, eleven goals in fifty games. That's and and you know what? If you're if you want to say, well, he's more of a playmaker. So of course, his eleven goals is fine. Well, he has nine assists. So, <laughs> I mean, it, you got to think that. The, I mean, the guys. He's only averaging fourteen, less than fifteen minutes a game. So he's playing third line minutes. He he is playing third line. I mean, he's shooting at a twelve point three percent shooting percentage. He just doesn't shoot the puck all that much. Only eighty nine shots. So not even two shots a game. Uh, he's, I mean, he's won 52% of his face-offs, so he's not doing so bad in that area, but it's just the fact that he can't put up these points. I mean, if he wasn't a second overall pick, maybe this wouldn't be as big of a problem, but his ex- his expectations are that this is the year. I mean, this third year is a very crucial year, and it's looking like we're crossing our fingers that he scores 15 goals and gets 30 points, and that to me is a giant bust. Yeah, it's even worse when you think about the fact that he was going to be the number one pick had he not had the injury issues, sure. his, you know, yeah. right before the draft. So that's, Lucky yeah. for the Devils. Right. <laughs> I don't know how much that, – that draft was pretty weak at the top. It was. In comparison to uh, the years around it where, you know, he obviously had Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine and then uh, – Connor McDavid. Yeah, Connor McDavid Ugh. and you had Jack Eichel. And, and then this year you've got Jack Hughes and – Last year, you had Rasmus Dahlin. So, I mean, there's definitely a, a weaker draft class that year. But uh, I think even Nico Heischer you could throw into. I don't think you throw Heischer into a bust category. But without Taylor Hall for the bulk of the year, and it's he has not looked the same. You know, you, you were hoping he'd take that next step. But anyways, uh, let's hear your next bust. Uh, my next bust. Not a player, but a team. Okay. And in particular, their power play, the Nashville Predators. League worst 12.9% power play. Yes. And, and yeah, you look at the talent they had. Granted, I mean, okay, a lot of people are going to make the argument, oh, well, um, you know, P.K. Subban was hurt most of the year, so that's why the power play struggled because he is a power play specialist. But uh, I call a BS on that because Let's face it, uh, with the talent they have up front with Ryan Johansson, Phil Forsberg, even though, again, injured, but Roman Yossi, Ekholm, they have guys that can fill out a power play and should be able to produce more than 12.9%. That's, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I do agree with the critics, I guess, on the, that the power, play, the power play has been hurt by a lack of consistency with players. I mean, it really, it's like Forsberg's in, he's back, and then Arvidsson, and then he's back, and then Subban. It's like, 
they've been without one of their key guys. And, you know, to me, the biggest problem with Nashville is that they they do have this great team aspect, right? Like, we don't look at them and go, wow, they have so many high-end, top, top-end players. And there's no superstar on this team. As much as, you know, maybe a Philip Forsberg gets some notoriety, I do think he's a first-line winger, but he's not a... He's, he's somewhere in the maybe 25 to 35 in terms of top wingers. Okay. He's, he's not, he's nowhere near, he's not in the top 20. No. There's many guys you'll take over Philip Forsberg. He's a nice player to have up there. Same with Arvidsson. I'd say Ryan Johansson in terms of number one centers. He is a number one center, but he's somewhere between 25 and 30. He's not one of the top number one centers. Now, some some teams have two number one centers, like the Leafs, like the Penguins. You know, the, there's a lot of teams that have that nice one-two punch. Well, not a lot, but a few, a few right. teams that have that nice one-two punch. But to me, Nashville just doesn't have a lot of high-end guys. And so when one of them gets hurt, it really is a problem for their system because they rely on this, uh, you know, kind of – they need to rely on having – all their pieces in place in order to be a really good team because when they have to move that number two guy up who let's face it Kyle Turris is a number two center but he's barely a number two center same with like Nick Benino's barely a number three center which is partially <laughs> why they brought in Brian Boyle to try and maybe be able to give you know Boyle and Benino the right uh, deployment some minutes yeah. yeah but when one guy's missing and somebody needs to slot up because you, if you have a team who you have a nice number two center, your top center gets hurt, they have the ability to slide up. But Turris is not a good number one center. Like, he's nowhere near a number one center. Uh, and so then when Nick Benino, who's barely a third center, has to move up into the second line, it's just a, it's a big problem for this team. And so where we saw a depth at forward at one point, actually, you're bringing up the Predators. Kevin Fiala is one of my players who is a bust this year uh he's just okay. he's not looked good his you know his underlying numbers are fine but he just hasn't been able to produce i think at a, at a clip where last season you looked at how he played and it looked like he was going to be this perennial 20 25 goal scorer if you gave him enough the the right ice time and the right deployment he could maybe be a 30 goal scorer and he just has not been able to produce there and so you look at him you throw in austin watson who they've now lost for the rest of the year uh, it just, and and maybe it's their own. That may be their own fault for relying on a guy who it's been clear that he, you know, didn't have his, sh- his stuff together. <laughs> I mean, it, he just he obviously has uh, personal issues that he's now working through, which is is all well and good. But you were relying on a guy who I think this is this is what you get when you allow a guy like that to come back to your team before you, you know, you know, yeah, maybe he's legally ready. That doesn't mean that he's mentally ready. That doesn't mean that he's emotionally ready to come back and and do something where you're under a lot of scrutiny. And I mean, and it shows, obviously. Okay, so question for you then: Fiala, restricted free agent after the season, do you give him the eight seven year deal like a lot of people get, or do you try to get a bridge deal out of this guy then right now? So there's a, there's a lot of talk about Panarin and Nashville. Ooh, that I, I have seen that floated. Now, Panarin's been pretty clear about his ocean desires. I'm going to say this. I, I think if there's one city that maybe you're willing to go to that isn't on the ocean, could it be Nashville? Could it be a team that, you know, 
has this ability to win now. I know he's, you know, there's a lot of talk, Bobrovsky and Panarin to Florida, which I don't know why that would happen at the trade deadline. Why would Florida give up all the assets to have them come in and, and sign in a season that's lost? Uh, to me, you just wait for free agency. Whereas Nashville... For those eight years, that's why. But For the eight, yeah, yeah. that's that's true. Um, but whereas, as for Nashville, maybe if you could convince him to stay, you'd be willing to give up Fiala. And obviously, it's going to take more than that, but Fiala would be a, a significant piece going the other way. If Nashville, or if, if Columbus believed that they could take him and, and turn him around a little, I don't think he necessarily needs turning around. I think he just needs to be played more. I don't think the coaching staff in Nashville really likes him very much. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's that type of type of guy where, you know, it's just, you wonder if he just needs a new system, a new environment and he'd be able to thrive. So it would be interesting. Nashville getting a Panarin, suddenly a lot of their problem, their power play problem could be solved. Their lack of a, a player who can really drive a, a full line by himself would be solved. And all their depth issues would be solved. Yes, it you would. could slot guys in the right place. So Yeah, that power play would be dangerous with him. Yes, it would. Um, let me throw out a name. Uh, I'm going to go to some signings. Okay. That we're, obviously, we can throw out James Neal as a guy who's just been a... He did get on my list. And utter bust. We've talked about him a ton. We, we have. So we'll, <laughs> we'll just gloss over him. Uh, I'm going to say Riley Nash, since we're on the Columbus Blue Jackets. He has, he's not been great. Uh, you know, they brought him in that really their only significant signing. And when I consider that this was supposed to be kind of the year for Columbus, mm-hmm. you know, this was they they really needed to set themselves up to win this year because of knowing that maybe Bobrovsky and Panarin could both be gone. And this is a franchise, the only one left in the National Hockey League to never win a playoff series. It's it's time. And they could have set themselves up pretty well Riley Nash right now in 55 games has a goal a goal a goal and I mean he's only averaging 10 25 a game a 1.9 percent shooting percentage but I I just I gotta think that something's I mean he was a guy who was playing on Boston's first line when Patrice Bergeron was out and he didn't look out of place so nope. you think that he can at least come up and play with some guys and, and give him the opportunity to play with higher end players, and he's just not getting that amount of time, and it just it, it hasn't looked good for him. He hasn't gotten any power play time. Not that you really expected him to get a lot, but he's got none. And yeah, it just it looks like this team maybe to me is this is this is probably going to be Tortorella's last year. You know, they're going all right. You've got. You've got these guys for one more year. See what you can do. They're going to likely limp into the playoffs here, and it, it might not be pretty. See what happens with this team over the next six months. It could be drastically different. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in Columbus where you look at it and you're like, I want more, or I should be expecting more. Like Boone Jenner, Nick Foligno. Um, I mean... Winberg, who's got two goals. Yeah, there's all these guys. They have like potential written all over them, and and now it makes you wonder, especially with a guy like Riley Nash, who, you know, should have enough talent around him in Columbus to where he should be producing a little bit more. But now it makes you wonder, well, maybe it's not the players as much as it is the systems and the coaching and management now. So 
Yeah, I mean, this could be the writing on the wall for Tortorella to be like, well, I think we need to, especially if they lose Panarin and Bobrovsky, and then now you're basically almost have to hit the reset button. Right, right. It's almost so. like, hey, we brought you in here to for a reason, and now we don't really have the players here anymore that need to be pushed like that, so let's get a guy who can come in and develop some younger players for us maybe. and Maybe Ken who, Hitchcock wants to go back to Columbus. Oh, God. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> I mean this yeah this team's in big big trouble if uh when if and when Panarin leaves I mean they they really have maybe three other players who can score 20 goals so that's that's going to be a problem okay uh I'm going to throw out a couple defensemen uh Cody Cece who not that I don't think that people thought that he was a super high end defenseman but he is last in the league in uh in shot attempts he's minus 300 for shot attempts, so he's uh, he's been on the ice for 300 more shot attempts than he than he is given. So that's uh, that's brutal. Obviously, a result of being also on a bad team. I think the bottom three in the league are Cody CC, Chris Tierney, and and another senator. I can't remember who. So a result of being on a bad team, but he is the worst of the worst in that sense. Uh, also, Josh Manson. For the Anaheim Ducks, I think has taken quite a step backwards. I like uh, that pick for a guy who is supposed to kind of be this next wave of Ducks defenseman. Uh, he has really fallen off the map to me. Uh, I mean, a lot of Ducks players have fallen off the map. I have I have Jakob Silverberg on this list too, but uh, I'm not so worried about Silverberg because he, you know, I think we just. His two-way game is great, so I give him a little yes, grace. Yes. With. Well, and, and we've had these expectations of, wow, he is a great shot. He should be scoring all these goals. And at some point, you have to go, he's actually not a goal scorer. He, he just he maybe has a nice-looking shot, but he's not a goal scorer. He'll, he'll score goals for you, uh, but he's not ultimately a guy who's going to slot into your top six. Silverberg is a great top nine player. He should be playing on a third line, penalty killing. And when you have injuries, he can move up into the lineup, and he... He's fine. Uh, I think the Ducks move him, uh, and I think that he'll he'll look pretty good on on whoever he goes to. But to me, Josh Manson, Cody Cece, two defensemen. Um, maybe I'd throw Justin Falk in there as well. Some of my bigger busts for hmm. the year. Justin Falk, I think, only has twenty points through fifty something games this year, and uh, and I think he's been a bust because he's been underutilized, and he's a player that should be moved. Probably, you know, when he's an unrestricted free agent, we'll probably leave Carolina. And so he's just, he's maybe not a bust so much as he's a guy who I'm disappointed in because he has been perennial, a guy who's pushing the 45 point total every year. Okay. Respect. So a name for me, uh, Valerie Nachuskin. Mm hmm. No goals. A bust. <laughs> yeah. No goals. A giant bust. Uh, first. Tour around in Dallas wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, although, again, I expected more out of him when he was there. Went back to Russia. Dallas convinced him to come back because, let's face it, you want to play in the NHL, and Dallas still own their rights to this kid. He was thought to be their like secondary scoring guy. That I mean, the guy that was going to revive Spets a little bit on that second line and, and help them spread out the offense a little more outside of those top three big names. And it has just not happened at all. It's been disastrous for him. Yeah, he uh, only 0.83 points per 60, which uh, there's only 
38 players in the league that have less than a point per 60. It's disgusting. And Nichushkin is one of them. So that's, uh, I mean, if, if you don't know points per 60, it's just how many points that you get per 60 minutes of actually playing, not not per game, but per 60 minutes. So every time he's on the ice for 60 minutes, he doesn't even get a point. Yeah, kind of sad. That's rough. I mean, you're in, you're talking, you're in, uh, in Roman Pollock territory. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> So that's yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Speaking of a guy who another duck, uh, who's fourth last in the league out of guys who have played more than thirty games this year is Ryan Kessler. He's point uh, four three points per sixty. Which to give you to give you an idea, Roman Polak has point four one points per sixty. So Ryan Kessler <laughs> right now is about on par with Roman Polak in terms of production, uh, and I mean. When you let's, you know, we'll go to the tops of the league in terms of that. Nikita Kucherov almost five points per sixty uh, for for the league lead. You know, the the average. I'd say you know your average like top player is somewhere between two and four points per sixty. Uh, four obviously you're getting really close to the tops of the league, but um, when you're below one, that's just terrible. And Ryan Kessler should retire and go on LTIR and just save the Ducks from having to... And he's refusing to waive his trade clause so the Ducks can move him out. Yeah, I mean, you should healthy scratch him every game. I would at he's this absolute, point. He, he is absolute. I mean, he is as, as useless as Roman Polak, but at least Polak is useful in the defensive zone. I mean, Ryan Kessler is utterly useless at this point. He just needs to be shut down, put him on... Put him on a healthy scratch. I, I thought for a minute when you that S was coming out of your mouth for shutdown, I thought you were going to do like take him out back and shoot him. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things have gotten very violent here in Russia. You know, that's uh, that's what they do in the KHL. The KHL. Yeah. Uh, let's hear who else you got. What uh, other bus? Let, let's hear a. Uh, I know you have some 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 events. As bus, I want to hear some of these. Okay, um, well, events. I don't know if I'd call them events, but more or less a lack thereof. Yeah, um, <laughs> the bottom half of the West is a bust for me, and I say that okay. because you look at the standings, right? Uh, it's easy to to look at the top teams in the West and see how good they are: Calgary, San Jose, Winnipeg. But you look at the bottom half, and it's like everybody is so bad or so undesiring of those last couple playoff spots that nobody really wants to go out and take it. I mean, two teams in California, Ducks and the Kings are just bombing out. We, I mean, we talked about them a bit and Edmonton who has this grand opportunity to give their, give their fans a little something just seem to can't try to grab They've a playoff now lost spot. three in a row, one seventy two yeah. in their last 10. And they went from being two points out of a playoff spot to now they're seven points out of a playoff spot. And they're, yeah. they're surely they're limited. They're done. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I and mean, a team, the Chicago Blackhawks now have thrown themselves back in the playoff pitcher after sitting at the bottom of the West for a majority of the season. Now all of a sudden three Patrick Kane out. can't stop and they're eight, two and zero oh in their last 10. And it's like, Oh wait, they're, they're good again. What what is this? But then here's the weird. See, this is where I I I agree with you. The bottom half of the West is a bust. I'm gonna say the Western Conference as a whole is there is as wide open as we've ever seen it in in the league. Uh, you know, when I think Winnipeg top in the league, they go and they lose to a Colorado team that has been terrible. They lose four one to Colorado the other night, uh, and. 
I mean, you're you're looking at a at a Western Conference that even the top teams, Nashville, Winnipeg, there's there's a lot of question marks. I mean, I have Patrick Line as one of my busts. I, I he's 25 goals. So how much of a bust can he be? But you know, 35 points on the year. Yeah. And and the bust to me maybe isn't Line A. It's the fact that management never really did anything to acquire any guy who could play alongside him because him and Brian Little just don't look good together. No, it's they don't. just not working. It didn't really work well last year. And I mean, granted, you've got a team like. Uh, St. Louis just chugging right now, winning eight in a row. But we know that like, St. Louis is not that good. Even though they're playing really well right now, St. Louis doesn't scare me. Nashville doesn't scare me. The only two teams that that I would say, all right, this, this team scares me. San Jose, actually, now that they're figuring out their life here, I mean, they just lost 5-1 to, to Washington. But San Jose, I guess, in the playoffs, they're going to be scary. Yeah. I mean, if Martin Jones can get his act together. Yes, they're, if they can get their better goaltending, very yeah, dangerous. Uh, is Martin Jones the next Jake Allen? I don't know. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Other than that, outside of those teams, I mean, yes, Winnipeg is a good team, but I mean, I if I'm Vegas, I don't. I think I could beat Winnipeg again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, like Vegas still hasn't been that good, but I, I, I wouldn't be that you know that scared. Although Vegas, I don't think beats San Jose this year. Uh, I don't, I'm not scared of Calgary, you know. If I'm, let's say, let's say that I'm the Chicago Blackhawks and I somehow squeeze into the playoffs, this is maybe the year where some team at the bottom, maybe a trade deadline acquisition, maybe Chicago just goes, you know what? Let's let's just, we can get this guy for cheap. Let's let's go bring in somebody, or maybe maybe Chicago goes and they they say let's bring back Panarin. Maybe Ooh. Panarin would go back to Chicago, and suddenly you're, you're looking different. Maybe Chicago goes and I I don't I don't know. There's there's so many opportunities to win this conference because I don't think the top end is that good. We'll see what happens at the deadline. You know. There yeah, I be, think one of those top end teams needs to make a big a Duchesne move. or a Stone yes. could come into those and then and then suddenly we're talking a little bit different. But to me, the Eastern Conference, when you, I mean, for all of Washington's struggles, I don't, I think we're going and we're we're saying come playoff time. They're still a scary team. They won the cup last year. We'll give that to them. Uh, the Islanders even, just because Barry Trotz is their coach. And Nobody he, will score on them. can't beat, be beaten right now. But then you've got Tampa Bay. You've got Toronto. You've got Boston. I mean, there's there's some scary team. Does anyone want to play Pittsburgh in the first round? Nope. Uh, you're Tampa Bay right now. You're looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. Is that really the first round matchup that you want? <laughs> Dang. That's a... Uh... Yeah, I mean... It, There's just a big disparity between the two conferences. Oh, for sure. And, I mean, even if you're Pittsburgh, right, and you end up playing the Islanders, I would probably think the Islanders would lose that series, but that's another yeah. discussion, so... Yeah, or, or Montreal, yeah, it's... Uh, um, I'm going to go with a couple goaltenders. Okay. Who, I don't... Bust is a hard word, but it's, it's more or less because of injuries. Corey Schneider and Roberto Luongo... Uh, although Corey Schneider did win. did win his first yeah. game in 14 months last night, uh, Luongo is a great ambassador for the game. His teammates love him. When he's in, he's pretty decent of a goaltender. Just can't seem to stay healthy. And I see it as a, it's it is one of the biggest problems for the Florida Panthers is that if you are constantly wondering if a guy is going to be able to play the next game. It's got to wear on a team. This team is not as bad as they look in the standings. I, you know, right now they're 
the seventh seventh in line for one of these wild card spots. They're eleven points out of the playoffs, and you know they're I just they're eleven points out of both the wild card and the bottom of the Metro. Doesn't look like a team that's going to make any kind of significant run here at the end like last year, despite having some pretty high end talent in their forward position and decent defensemen as well. So uh, I think that goaltending is ultimately this team's issue because they can't stay healthy. So yeah, and I think that's an easy and reason same with New why you same yeah, with New Jersey absolutely. And I think that's an easy reason why you keep hearing Bobrovsky's name floated around in Florida a lot is because I mean, why wouldn't you want a guy like that? I think if you did bring him in, he could solidify. That sure. position for you, sure. and I mean, gosh, get a Vesna guy back there, and I mean, who? you know, I look. Let's look. Bottom four teams in the in the East: Florida, Detroit, New Jersey, Ottawa. All right, we all know Ottawa's bad. We're just going to leave them down there. The New Jersey Devils. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They virtually have the same team this year, and they can't seem to win a game. And a lot of that is because of goaltending. I mean, Keith Kincaid is a fine backup, but he's just he, he's not a long term starter, and so. I think that's been their main issue. Same with Florida. But then you look Detroit. I actually think Detroit would be further down the, the standings if it weren't for Jimmy Howard. I'll sure. imagine Jimmy Howard was on the Florida Panthers or on the New Jersey Devils. I think you'd see these teams right on the bubble of the playoffs. And that's you know that's the difference of a good goaltender and a not-so-good one. So Well, there you go. Uh, who else you got? Oh, I want to hear your Patrick Kane one. My Patrick Kane one, yes. Patrick Kane not being dealt is a bust to me. Only because um, I do. I, I agree that Chicago could make the playoffs. Yeah, I think the West is wide open where maybe they could make a little bit of noise. But ultimately, I don't think, you know, even if they somehow manage to get past a first-round matchup, somehow miracle, right? They're not getting past second round. They're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs, in my opinion, without a healthy Corey Crawford back there and um, their defense somehow magically figuring out how to skate fast again. You love but, their backup, though. Oh, my gosh. What's his name? Delia. Delia. Yeah, he's a great backup. I'm I'm cool with him, but uh, we're best friends. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so to me, I think the fact that Chicago is they've, – they've been kind of like Detroit for the last few years, right, where they need a rebuild, they need to retool, but they don't want to admit it, right? So Detroit basically floated around for a long time, being a bust in the first round for three straight years. I think to Tampa, they lost all three of those. Right, right. Um, or in Boston one year. but And then now you've been missing the playoffs for the last few seasons, and they've never really come out until this season and said, okay, well, I guess we – you know, we got to do kind of a rebuild sort of thing. And Chicago's at that point where I think they need to admit, okay, hey, let's get on the rebuild. And I think not trading Patrick Kane is hindering them from doing that because when you have a guy of this talent level, kind of like the Edmonton Oilers where you're like, we can't do a rebuild because we have such a good player back there. Not trading him is keeping Chicago from being good again. Um, so, yeah, that's okay. a bust to me. See, now I would say the the fact that you still have Duncan Keith and you still have Brent Seabrook and you still you know you've got all these guys that should be dealt before Patrick if to me Patrick Kane you keep him around and in two years when you're ready to roll again he's your he's still one of your guys right and he's he's thirty years old and I think you know three four years left you you're gonna get good production then he's probably gonna be a 50, 60 point player in my opinion who knows um, the but way his the league's going he might be an eighty point well player. that's true actually he might everyone else will have one hundred and fifty points right. See, I mean, so regardless, his production's still going to be there for a while, but I think when you have his production there, you're just not ready to admit to the rebuild, so you won't want to, like, you can't force maybe Duncan Keith and Seabrook's hands to say, hey, guess what? 
you're on a crappy team, so do you want to waive it now? Because if Chicago really sucked and they were going to suck for a while knowing Patrick Kane's not there or maybe even Jonathan Taze wasn't there, maybe Keith and Seabrook might say, okay, well, sure, okay, yeah, oh, we'll leave then. We'll, well leave. there's only a few teams that could even take on his cap hit. Right. That's, you know, obviously, and obviously you're pl- you're trading players for him as well. You're not just trading future. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, but, I mean, it's, nevertheless, to bring in that kind of money uh, is, you know, we look at a team like, okay, Carolina, you know, they have 16 million in cap space. They have not traditionally been a team who spends to the cap. Uh, neither has New Jersey, neither has Colorado. Uh, there's quite, I mean, funny enough, the, the Montreal Canadiens have quite a bit of cap space compared to the rest of the league, but, uh, they actually have more than the Arizona Coyotes, but you know there's these these teams where they definitely have an internal cap, and so you wonder how much how many teams could actually take on Patrick Kane and his monster salary. Uh, is, well, I mean, you especially talk about- for the rest of that deal too. You know, you're you get to the back end of that deal, and it might not look very good. Yeah, well, I think I think. With his production, I think you can eat most of that just because, again, I think the cap is going to keep raising to sure. the point where it doesn't look as bad, I guess. so The, the cap can go up, but that doesn't mean you got more money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, throw out a, a couple more higher-end names, players who haven't been awful, but I think given the fact that everyone's scoring is up and Jamie Benn's scoring is down, that is a bad sign for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, uh, he's not looked great. He isn't as he's not quite as fast as he as he was. And you got to think a power forward forward like him. You're wondering, you know, you're 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 in your 30s now. What's that going to look like through the remainder of that contract? And you know, is is Tyler Sagan? Can he continue to carry uh, Jamie Ben? Where you know Jamie Ben's making nine and a half million for the next six years after this so it's it's not like his contract is expiring anytime soon really this is a year where you're hoping to see you know where he's got 39 points it seems like everyone else is averaging around a point per game and he's struggling to really stay above that 0.6 points per game you really like to see him performing a little bit better and so to me he's he's your like higher end type of type of bust along with clayton keller I'll, i'll throw him in there uh, I think after what we saw last year in his rookie season, uh, I, you know, we're almost expecting eh, it's going to be a, a really good year for him, especially the way that speed has really taken over, and he's a guy who can absolutely fly. He does lead the team in scoring 38 points in 57 games. I'm a little more concerned about the fact that he only has 11 goals in 57 games. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like he was scoring at will to start yes, the season last year. Yes, and he, I mean, last year, what he he ended up with, I think, 20 21 goals or something like that or maybe yeah, it's just, still a respectable number but sure sure but I, I when i look at 11 goals i think he had 20 23 goals last year so 11 goals I mean you're not even on pace for 20 goals <laughs> and that's that's a problem to me when you are your team's you're supposed to be a, a, a goal scorer and you're struggling to score so clayton keller Maybe it's the fact that he doesn't have much around him. I, I actually I throw Derek Stepan into that list too, where I mean he's probably the worst number one center in the league, um, but only twenty six points in fifty seven games. So struggle bus. Yeah. Okay. So I got three high end names for you because they were the number one line last year on a team that went to the finals: Carlson, Smith, and Marcia Show. Mm-hmm. 
I throw them in as busts because, don't get me wrong, I don't think anybody expected a guy like for Wild Bill to put up 40 points again. 40 goals. Right, 40 goals, sorry. 40 points we did. <laughs> right, 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 right. He's already got... He's already going to hit 40 points a season. But um, you look at these guys, right? A team that should have been just as, I don't I don't want to say as dangerous, but should have been pretty dangerous this season. Uh, Carlson, 37 points in 59 games. 40 points for Marshall Riley Smith, 31 How points. How many goals does Carlson have right now? 18. 18. Yeah, so definitely not going to. Still probably will hit 30. Like, Maybe. Especially because they've been, I'll say this, the, out of the six or fifty some odd games that they played so far, that the second half of those fifty sixty games has been much better. Sure, yeah, but their best player so far to me, Alex Tuck, right now. Yes, and yes. and maybe you can throw Paul Stasny's name in there when he's been healthy. So those two guys, I, yeah, Paul Stasny's I, all, averaging almost a point. Per yeah, twenty three and twenty nine games, and he's been pretty good. Um, so to me, I I think. And what I think they've already started splitting up. I don't know how many games it's been now, but it's been a it's been a little while now that they've taken Riley Smith off that top line. And I I think you know if you wanted to be as um, as good this year as you were last year, I think you pro- I expected more out of those guys to be quite honest. So that's kind of a bust for me. Okay, uh, you know I'm gonna say Patrick Maroon has really screwed himself over. Uh, I think he he took this one year deal, kind of to. I remember he said, "I'm going to bet on myself, and I'm going to bet that I can go and I can have this this turnaround year." And he's got four goals. <laughs> Obviously, the whole Blues team had been playing pretty bad. Uh, it's looking like he will probably be a guy who he'll get another contract for maybe a year. He's going to be a guy who who is just at the bottom of any team's lineup and you know, a lo- going a long way from playing with Connor McDavid a few years ago and getting dealt to the New Jersey Devils and he looked okay there and uh, he just has really dropped off rather quickly and if he had signed a multi-year deal, even if it was for a little bit less, he would have had some security and so he bet on himself and he bet wrong. So that's a uh, that's a little bit of a bust. Won't won't. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk. Are we gonna say that's a bust? Uh, I'm not ready to say he's a bust yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that this year has been very disappointing. I think it's I think it's more on coaching because stupid signing. They yeah yeah. Oh we're we're trying to get faster. Right. Let's, Let's sign, sign a guy who can't skate. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bust in a signing itself. But I don't think as a player, I think he's been fine. I just think it's more or less coaching that has decided. Oh, let's. Let's not put him in top six minutes. Let's just throw him at the bottom and just hope it pans out. And I'm like, no, 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 that's stupid. Don't. Yeah. yeah. So who on the LA Kings is the bust? Is the bust. Because it's Um, not I wouldn't say it's Kopitar. I'm not going to say it's Dowdy. No, and I'm not ready to throw a guy like Dustin Brown in that mix yet because I didn't expect a ton from him. Anyways. Jeff Carter. No, I I honestly might. 20-something points here. (sighs) He hasn't looked great. I would probably go with a Tyler Toffoli or maybe Tanner Pearson when he was in but, LA. But is he but is he the reason that they're losing? No, no I don't think they're the reason that they're losing. Well, your I second think line center is brutal. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I I would probably say it's coaching more than anything else is why they're losing because they have slow players. They have I they have what they like they are what they are, right? But everybody expects them somehow to get faster but they're not going to get faster. So why would you tailor your game to be a fast team, but you're not a fast team? Yeah, it's funny that, you know, the whole league says, let's go to speed. Well, okay, there, there's always this 
all right, the whole league went one way. We're going to try something different. Isn't this the time to try something different? Maybe. Sure. I don't, I don't know. It just seems to make sense. Because you don't have the speed. So. I won't say that the Islanders are the, the fastest team out there, and they've, they've managed to put things together. And they do have some fast play. Every team has a couple fast players. But, uh, you know, they, they play with some speed, but uh, they definitely play a, a really solid defensive game as well. Uh, who else do you have? Yeah, I'll give you one more name. So, well, I should say names because to me, it's NHL starting goalies. And I say that with guys that came into the season as starters and either have crapped the bed or just skated by on, I mean, the skin of their teeth, whatever that saying is, or guys that have lost their jobs. And so a few names to throw out. We, we talked about Cam Talbot, right? Mm-hmm. A bust there. Mike Smith, a guy who I figured as high as a scoring team as Calgary's been, it should have been easy for him to stop the puck because when you're scoring goals, you have the puck more. So, sure. but I mean, granted, sometimes you do give up defense to score goals, He's but old and yeah, well, okay. So, uh, Martin Jones, for example, barely, I'm not even at 900 right now. And so for a save percentage like that on a team that is as good as San Jose is, if he had played a little yeah, bit better, there's a team that needs Jimmy Howard at San sure. Jose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Varlamov in Colorado. I expected a lot more out of him, especially well, now that him you and have Grubauer. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You have Grubauer in there pushing you to say, "Hey, we just gave him a three-year extension, so that means you play really good, or we're going to replace you with this guy as the starter." And then Braden Holpe to me too is another guy, and which Braden Holpe maybe isn't as so much on him as it is the system now that he his team is adjusting to without Trotz there. Maybe that has something to do with it. But again, I think there's a lot of starting goaltenders that I expected to be better, even with scoring up, and they just have either lost their starting jobs or crapped the bed. Interesting. Uh, I want to ask you about the Red Wings. To me, there's one guy who is a bust on this team more than any other. I was going to say, there's a few busts on that team. but uh, Who who to you is the the biggest disappointment of the year? Justin Applicator. Okay, so you, you had expectations for him. See, I had none. Yeah. <laughs> I have well, none for him because of what he did last year and the year before. See, my expectation for him was the fact that, yeah, he didn't play so hot last year, but I figured, you know what, they're in this period now where they're going to shift to younger players. He's one of their leaders in the locker room. You know, he wears that A on a sweater, garbage. And I thought, you know, they're going to give him more ice time just to kind of play alongside guys like Larkin and Anthony Seo on those top six minutes. And, you know, he should produce a little bit more, right? I maybe w- I wasn't expecting like 50, 60 points out of the guy and 25, 30 goals, but I was certainly expecting him maybe to put up, you know, 20 goals, 30 points this season or somewhere close to it. And he, it's, he is it, one of those guys under one point. There you go. 60. So, so yeah, you're, you're not wrong there. Uh, for me, it's Anthony Mantha. Mantha, yeah, okay. Yeah, Anthony Mantha, 22 points in 43 games, uh, those 12 goals. He's getting 17 minutes and 18 seconds a game, so it, he just hasn't looked like he's comfortable. And I thought that there was a chance that he could be a guy who could drive a line a little more. Uh, maybe not be the primary guy, but be that good, solid second guy in a line. I mean, he's got 1.77 points per 60. It, it's not bad. Uh, but the way that he has, I, I don't know. It's when I watch him play, I felt like last year he was, there was more there. There was more on the table for him. So I, I don't know if it's just his, his line mates have changed or if it's that, you know, just because this team has been bad, he hasn't gotten the same types of opportunities on the power play. Uh, 
Yeah, I. So he's been he's been dealing with some health issues this season. And I think that has a little bit to do with it, but I'm not gonna say that that's the reason why. I think more than anything else, it's the fact that the lines are constantly changing. I think the only consistent line pairings that I've seen all year long is Nyquist and Larkin on that top line, and everything else is shuffled so much. When you have you know a young, fast, you know power forward like Mantha who should be utilized I thought I think a lot differently when you're throwing him with guys like Franz Nielsen who you know they're on their last leg they can't really <laughs> get up and down the, yeah. the ice as quick anymore and can't keep up with a guy like that you know it's they're not like a Thomas Vanek for example or a guy who's not fast we know he's not fast but yet he's smart enough to play the game in a way to where he doesn't need the speed sure. right Vanek's been exactly what they thought exactly but they don't have that second line center to consistently set Mantha with to where he can, you know, utilize his talents the way they should be. Now, you know, maybe Anthony Sio needs to be played at center a lot more and maybe they need to give him second line minutes. Maybe that might help. But, you know, the Red Wings aren't doing that. They're playing him on the wing more than anything else and giving him third line minutes, which is driving me nuts. But, um, yeah, I, I think coaching has a lot to do with that. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, I'm going to throw out one more player just because Please. I can on the Leafs. I'm going to say that Nikita Zaitsev where, you know, two years ago he played all right. He was decent. He got that big contract. And then last year he really struggled. He got hurt and he came out and he said, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't myself. I did a lot in the off season, blah, blah, blah. And it is apparent that he did not, <laughs> you know, I mean, seven points in 57 games. He never was a big point producer, but uh, he has been, he's at the bottom of the team and a lot of, a lot of possession statistics and he just has not looked very good and is probably playing with the wrong type of player. I mean, he's made Jake Gardner look terrible because he's been out of position often. And so it's uh, just all around. He's the reason they had to go get Muzzin. Oh, in yeah. My I, mean, I don't think you'd mind have a Muzzin anyways, but well, yes, no, but yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I think you'll see, Zaitsev play less and less and Muzzin play more and more. I mean, Jake Mu- Jake Muzzin has been uh, really, he's been there uh, least amount of ice time out of all their defensemen average through the games he's been there. But, you know, of course you're easing a guy into a new system and whatnot, but I think you'll see by come playoff time, he'll be playing a lot. Yeah. So. All right. Well, any, any last busts before we call it a day? Mm, no, I... I wouldn't say. I, I was going to throw Ottawa's ownership into that group of busts, but <laughs> uh, they've been a bust for a long time, so no expectations there. Yeah, I guess we could throw Derek Broussard out there. Or yes. Maybe Nemesnikov. You know, he was supposed to be one of the key pieces coming in that McDonough deal, and he he's played a little bit better as of late, but I think that's because he's hoping he gets moved. Exactly. <laughs> like, hey, we might trade you. Okay, I'll play sweet. So, you know, I can... So teams like... Really what you should do is you should play bad so that you lower your value so that the team that you're getting traded to doesn't have to give up as much. That would be oh, the you ideal. Go. Got a, It's the conspiracy theory of getting traded at the deadline. So, all right. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk, and we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good weekend.